Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Tianlu. Coming up in this edition, the United States has once again blocked the ceasefire resolution in the UN Security Council. The World Health Organization has evacuated patients from a besieged hospital in Gaza as disease threatens over a million displaced Palestinians. And South Korea faces a growing crisis in its health sector as nearly 8,000 trainee doctors stage a walkout. We we'll begin with the Middle East. The United States has once again blocked the Gaza ceasefire resolution at the UN Security Council, despite the document having overwhelming support. The White House said the Algerian proposed resolution would jeopardize talks to end the war. China's top UN envoy criticized the move, warning that it could send the wrong message. Jody Jacobs reports from the United Nations in New York. It was no surprise that the United States vetoed the ceasefire resolution on Tuesday. It was the only council member to vote no. Thirteen member states in the 15-member council voted in favor of the ceasefire resolution, while the United Kingdom abstained. Many members praised Algeria for negotiating in good faith after it drafted the text of the resolution. Council members, including China, criticized the United States for its veto of a resolution demanding a Gaza ceasefire. Beijing's envoy says the council must take actions to push for a ceasefire, calling it a moral obligation. The outcome of today's vote clearly, clearly shows that on the issue of a ceasefire to halt the fighting in. Gaza. It is not that the Security Council does not have an overwhelming consensus, but rather it is the exercise of the veto by the United States that has stifled the Council consensus. The U.S. veto sent a wrong message, pushing the situation in Gaza into a more dangerous one. While the Security Council ceasefire resolution is being vetoed, innocent civilians in Gaza are dying in the fighting, and they are struggling on the brink of death. Algeria says it will not stop calling for a ceasefire. It says that the council must shoulder its responsibilities, as it is now a matter of life and death. The people of our region have always looked up to the Security Council as the source of international legitimacy. Unfortunately, the Security Council has failed them once again. Our message to you today is that the international community should respond to the calls for ending the killing of Palestinians by calling for an immediate ceasefire. All those impeding such calls should review their policies and their calculations, because wrong decisions today will have a cost of our region and our world tomorrow, and this cost will be violence and instability. The United States has tabled its own resolution, which calls for a temporary ceasefire and the release of all hostages. It argues Algeria's resolution would not bring about durable peace, but instead extend hostages' captivity and the humanitarian crisis. We cannot support a resolution that would put sensitive negotiations in jeopardy. We look forward to engaging on a text that we believe will. Address so many of the concerns we all share, a text that can, and should be adopted by the council, so that we can have a temporary ceasefire as soon as practicable. It was the eighth time that the council voted on a draft resolution over the war in Gaza. Only two of the eight were adopted: one in November 
and another in December. Neither called for a ceasefire. Speaking in the council chamber, the Palestinian permanent observer told council members that this is a sad day for the people in Gaza, while Israel says calling for a ceasefire just empowers Hamas. That was Jody Jacobs on the latest U.S. veto of the resolution for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. Cases of infectious disease are surging in Gaza as displaced Palestinians shelter in overcrowded tents and buildings. Meanwhile, the World Health Organization has evacuated a second group of critical patients from the besieged Nasser Hospital, but concerns for those left behind remain. Noor Harzian has more from Rafa. The spread of infectious diseases here in uh, the coastal enclave. The schools, the shelters are packed with uh, people. Uh, the Palestinian health ministry here in Gaza said that they've recorded more than 400,000 cases of infectious diseases here in Gaza only in the past two months. And this comes as the coastal enclave is already suffering the lack of uh, medicine and medical supplies. The World Health Organization managed to evacuate 32 critical conditions from inside the Amasar hospital to the uh, Al-Aqsa hospital which is located in uh, middle Gaza and Deir el-Balah. Some of these uh, patients are with uh, kidney failure, others uh, that were um, injured, but still there is people inside the Al-Nasir hospital. The Palestinian health ministry is talking about 125 people that are still besieged inside the Al-Nasir hospital. 25 of them are medical staff. Uh, doctors and nurses and around 100 are uh, patients and their uh, companions and uh, this comes this is really attack on Al-Nasser hospital comes as Israel claims that the uh, Hamas uh, movement is using the hospitals um, uh, as a cover for its uh, militant actions even though Hamas from its side denied this is really claims. That was Noor Harazian reporting from Rafa. South Africa has urged the International Court of Justice to declare the occupation of Palestinian territories by Israel as illegal. Ambassador Vuzi Muzi Madonsila says the discriminatory practices of Israel are more extreme than what his country experienced under apartheid. Desperately needed humanitarian food deliveries to northern Gaza are now on pause amid increasing violence and chaos. The UN has been warning of looming famine since last year. Elena Bektoros with the Associated Press has more from Jerusalem. The United Nations World Food Programme has suspended food aid deliveries to northern Gaza. It said that it has been forced to do this because of the dire security situation. It had begun food deliveries on Sunday after a three-week pause, and the aim had been to send 10 trucks a day for seven consecutive days into the north. This is an area where very little aid has managed to reach due to the continued fighting and the, the conditions on the ground. But the World Food Programme said that on Sunday, its convoy was essentially besieged by crowds of desperate, hungry people, and it only managed to deliver a small amount of this aid. On Monday, the convoy that was sent in was essentially looted on its way to northern Gaza. It said that it faced extreme violence and chaos, and one truck driver was beaten. So it has had to suspend all food aid deliveries until the conditions improve. This comes as UNICEF says that one in six children under the age of two in northern Gaza are now currently suffering from acute malnutrition. 
Separately, in The Hague, in the Netherlands, the International Court of Justice has been hearing a case against Israel's legality of the occupation of territories that Palestinians want for a state of their own. This is the second day of six days of hearing, and a decision is expected to take several months. On the second day, it was the South Africa that was making its case, that was speaking, and it was alleging that Israel carries out policies that essentially amount to apartheid in these territories. The occupation by Israel has been conducted in profound defiance of international law and hundreds of United Nations resolutions with scant pushback from the international community. Consequently, Mr. President, that defiance by Israel has already led to the killing of tens of thousands of Palestinians, including an estimated 30,000 killed in the past four months alone. These are not mere statistics, Mr. President. They are flesh and blood of the Palestinian people. It is clear that Israel's illegal occupation is also being administered in breach of the prohibition of the crime of apartheid. It is indistinguishable from settler colonialism, which has no place in the 21st century. Israeli apartheid must end. Palestine, the last unfulfilled sacred trust of civilization, for whom the international community bears responsibility, must now be fulfilled. Israel has completely rejected this and the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has said that it does not recognize the legitimacy of these discussions being held in the court. That was Elena Bektoros in Jerusalem. In Europe, Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi has told French President Emmanuel Macron that Beijing appreciates France's independent foreign policy as they met in Paris. They pledged to enhance strategic coordination and work together to ensure global stability and peace. Wang Yi called on both sides to lay out plans to develop relations in the next 60 years, adding that China will continue to open up its market to France. He also expressed hope that France can provide a fair and equal business environment for Chinese enterprises. The senior Chinese diplomat arrived in France following his trips to the Munich Security Conference and Spain. Tony Waterman has more from Paris. The day started with a meeting between Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi and French leader Emmanuel Macron at the Elysee Palace, the official residence of the French president. And Wang was greeted by Macron's diplomatic advisor, Emmanuel Bonne, before heading into those bilateral talks. According to a readout from Macron's team, the discussions mainly focused on what they called the intensification of exchanges between the two countries, particularly in the agri-food and aeronautics sectors. These are two sectors that have seen a lot of bilateral growth in recent years. Airbus, in fact, just last year said that it was building a second final assembly line in China, doubling its production capacity in the world's second largest aviation market. Macron's team also said that Ukraine was discussed and Macron called China a, quote, key player on the international scene from a demographic, economic and scientific point of view. This is now the second high-level meeting between China and France in less than a week. Wang met with his French counterpart on the sidelines of the Munich Security Conference just this past weekend, where he said that both countries should maintain the momentum of development, especially around 
around strategic, economic, and financial dialogue and people-to-people -people exchanges. This is a special year for China and France. Both sides are marking the 60th anniversary of diplomatic relations, and France was the first major Western power to recognize China at the height of the Cold War, paving the way for other European countries and the United States to do the same. And both China and France in recent weeks have said they'd like to see the relationship continue to develop in the years to come. That was Tony Waterman on Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi's meeting with the French president. Finally, in Asia... The South Korean Ministry of Health and Welfare says almost 9,000 trainee doctors across 100 hospitals have submitted resignations. Almost 8,000 of them have already left their positions. This has stoked fears of delays to surgical procedures and patient treatment. Su Ming-Yu has more from Seoul. Trainee doctors in the Republic of Korea began submitting resignation letters on Monday, protesting the government's plan to hike the medical school enrollment quota by 2,000. Worries mounted as doctors warn of a large-scale strike as the presumed vacuum in the medical system could cause potential disruptions to medical services, with some patients already experiencing delays in surgeries and other treatments in hospitals. Well, here at Seoul's major severance hospital, surgeries have been cut in half. Another major hospital, the Seoul National University Hospital, has implemented a decision to reduce surgeries by 70% for adults and 60% for children. Now, this drastic measure was taken after most of the trainee doctors decided to walk out from yesterday. Trainee doctors at other general hospitals in Busan, Ulsan, Jeju, Gangwon Province, and North Jeollanam-do Province have also submitted their resignation letters. Hospitals across the nation have been stating the inevitability of surgery delays. Some patients and their guardians expressed anger towards the medical doctors who resigned. Urgent patients need surgery. They're emergency patients, lives hanging in the balance. This isn't a railroad strike. It's about holding lives as collateral. Similar collective action by doctors took place back in 2014 and 2020 in protest against issues like adopting telemedicine services and increasing the medical school enrollment quota. But President Yoon reportedly said the government would not surrender to the doctors' collective action this time, different from four years ago when the government conceded defeat. It's to protect their profit, but you can't take patients hostage. The government must strengthen its resolve. A series of measures are being taken to alleviate potential risks in medical care, with the government extending operating hours at 97 public hospitals and opening emergency rooms at 12 military hospitals. We are committed to maintaining the critical and emergency care functions of large hospitals by revamping the emergency response system. Our top priority is to ensure that serious patients receive timely treatment. No major disruption in medical services had yet occurred, but hospital staffers here say they cannot sustain operations under such conditions for more than two to three weeks. As the standoff continues, concerns over its impact on the public and the grave risks it poses for emergency patients are mounting. Now assuming you on the doctor strike in South Korea. Recapping today's headlines. 
The United States has once again blocked the ceasefire resolution in the UN Security Council, saying the Algerian proposed draft would jeopardize talks to end the war. The World Health Organization has evacuated patients from a besieged hospital in Gaza as disease threatens over a million displaced Palestinians. And South Korea faces a growing crisis in its health sector as nearly 8,000 trainee doctors stage a walkout. That's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Lu. Thank you for listening.